Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., This is a podcast from Minute Media. (laughs) It would be a wolf's fun, eh? Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to the Wolves Fancast. We are here for a review of the first home game of the season back at Molyneux for the 22-23 campaign as Wolves secured their first point of the new season as well with a 0-0 draw against Fulham. Um, I've got Tom and Jafo with me. Um, gentlemen, it was uh, good to be back at Molyneux, I'm sure. I, I don't know who decided that the uh, flamethrowers were necessary, to be honest, because uh, it was uh, it was a bit of a scorcher. Um, what, what did you make of just the conditions to actually watch a game of football? And it's a bit of a new one for us um, at Molyneux, isn't it? Yeah, it was um, It was rather uncomfortable. It's something we're not used to here. Uh, and yeah, the, the, the flamethrowers, especially for us, like where we, me and you sit, Gully, Billy Wright, was just a little bit too much. It was just, it, it put me over the edge. I, I mean, maybe it was just because uh, the main man chairman Go was uh, was in attendance. I thought they had to pull out all the stops, but I'm, I'm sure I'm sure he didn't appreciate that that kind of blast of heat towards him either, did he? No, no. It made it feel a little bit better that Fulham probably Fulham fans suffered the brunt of it. I suppose it was right yeah, in front of them, so that I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I did not envy anybody who had to had to sit in the sun yesterday. It was absolutely uh, terrible the heat, um, but I mean. Coming, coming on to the football, uh, we'll have a look at the starting lineup to begin with, as usual. And uh, it was unchanged from the opening day of the season. As mentioned, uh, Chairman Go was was in attendance in a box with uh, Uncle George Mendes himself as well. And we'll come on to that a little bit later in the show and what, what that could mean for the club. Um, but new boy Gonzalo Geds on the bench uh, with a return for Adama Traore and Samedo really being the, the headline of, of the starting lineup announcement. Uh, Jafo did was was that welcome? I assume you know just harking back to that Leeds bench. I think uh, you know it, it felt a lot better, didn't it? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean that was the the one thing that was leveraged against the whole Leeds game is that we couldn't change anything. We couldn't bring anyone off the bench to, who had you know minutes as as a, as a senior pro, um, and to bring in Adama, who I know he's not played a lot in preseason, and Samedo, who who you know has just come back from injury. Um, they've still got all this experience where they could they can come on and hopefully make a difference. 
uh, and then Geddes. Hopefully, you know, in a couple of weeks he'll get up to speed and he'll, he'll start starting games. So to have three players like that, you know, uh, hundred million pounds worth of players to come off the bench is uh, really welcomed going into the uh, next few games because we're going to need it. Yeah, Tom, I don't know if you agreed with the, the zero changes to the starting lineup or not. Um, argument that the Leeds game was a bit of an unfortunate one, given the chances that we created and perhaps we could have come away with the result there. So would you have gone with the same lineup yourself? Um, I was half expecting it. I think there was talk, wasn't there, about Huang maybe not being fit, um, which was the only probably question mark. And, and for that, you know, you put you put the new guy in ahead of him. But um, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't surprised, and it's probably what I'd have picked. All things considered, I mean, you know, Geddes only had a few days with the team, so it's it was pretty unlikely that he was going to come straight in unless he was absolutely needed from an injury point of view. Yeah, I, I mean. When it came to the start of the game, we actually made quite a, a sharp start in the sense that some early chances, um, which weren't quite taken. Um, I mean, story of the game, clearly, with the zero on the score sheet, that missed chances were the order of the day. But first couple of opportunities, we had Neto going through. I know he was ultimately flagged offside um, with, a, with a one-on-one with a keeper. Um, Huang going through early in that same channel um, from an angle, which um, the keeper made a save from as well. I mean, it was all looking quite exciting, I think, at that point in the game, wasn't it, Jafar? Yeah, it was a really good start. I thought we, what we did well, it was we, we like negated Fulham's midfield because uh, Joao Polinho had played so well the week previous against Liverpool. Uh, to, to, to isolate the centre-backs down the channel, it seemed to work really well for us and it gave Huang a lot of opportunity to stretch them and to, to try and drag the centre-backs apart, which worked, which worked really well. Um, and probably we should have been probably 2-0 up after the first 15 20 minutes which is uh, really unheard of in the last, in the last couple of years because we we always like notor- notoriously been slow starters so it's 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 a positive it's just a shame that we couldn't capitalize it and get get at least one goal yeah i mean tom i don't, I don't know whether you thought either of them could have done better with with those situations in particular um we'll come on to the the real glaring opportunity in a second but yeah it would have been nice to go one look at, at that stage yeah, I, th- I think by and large it was hard to be overly critical. I know they've hit it at the keeper in theory, but it was a tight angle. So, you know, they've done, I think, especially in Huang's case, I know we've been really crit- critical of him in the past, but I don't think he's done much wrong. He's showed really good turn of pace. They really, you know, um, took the centre halves out of the game just 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 from pace alone. His touch was on it, and, and you know, he's, he's hit a, you know, a half decent half decent effort um so it was frustrating that I, I think Neto was onside as well I think if that had gone to to VAR he looked onside to me um and again I don't think he's done too much wrong he's gonna he's gonna try to go high hasn't he and sort of come come on the inside of the keeper and he's, he's just got a hand to it so it was hard to be overly critical I think and um and that ball was on that ball was on a lot especially especially in the first half um, and again, we still, for me, look, look almost dangerous on the counter, really. And that was that was shown in those two instances. Yeah, I mean, the real kind of moment of the first half that that kind of summed up the the real issue we've got with with scoring goals. I mean, I flashed that that few screenshots of the game, but big mistake from the Fulham defence with uh, Tosin Adraboyo and uh, Rodak colliding. Ball falls free to Neto. Um, Jafo, in terms of that situation, what what do you think is going through his head there? Because he seemed to 
dally a little bit. I, I, if only I knew. If only I knew what was going through his head. I, I literally, see at the at the moment that we we you know we saw it, you think that's that's a certain goal. But it's, it's almost like that's the, the touch that he makes just pushes him into the middle of the box and it just ruins any sort of opportunity that we have. But yeah, it's a it's a shame because he, he worked really, really hard Neto to get that, you know, cap try and capitalise on that opportunity. So uh but yeah, I'm not a clue how he's managed to mess that up. Yeah, and, and I mean not only that, but then the pedence follow up um <laughs> was not not something to write home about either, was it? No. <laughs> You summed oh, yeah. up right there, Jafo. If you, I watched it back just before we came on, and it's his t- his touch. It's just it goes about four yards ahead of him. If he just mm. you know just knocks it dead or just a tiny bit in front of him, he's just got to tap it in. But he goes his first touch after the the cock up is really bad, and it just takes it. You know, it comes off at like ninety degrees to, to the goal at about four or five yards ahead of him. If, it, if it's if it's you know not even a half decent touch, it's a goal. And then yeah, Pedence, I don't know what on earth he was doing. It was just, it was horrible. (laughs) Yeah, we obviously, we we talked about Huang going through on that chance and I always find it funny that he gets a lot of stick for apparently not being able to hit a cow's arse with a banjo, as the the old saying goes. But I've always thought he's quite good at, when when the chances come for him, he's actually quite good at taking them. I I always think back to his goal against Arsenal away last season where he nipped in front of Mm -hmm. Ramsdale, tight angle, and he put it away. That's exactly the kind of situation... Neto was kind of in from that sort of angle, but just that real kind of clarity of thought and, and, and clarity of mind where he just knew exactly what he should have been doing. And it, it really was just a case of a flick into the in, into the goal and, and and we would have been ahead. And straight away, the game opens up from there, doesn't it? Um, I, don't, I don't know if you thought, I mean, we're going at halftime, obviously nil-nil. Something seemed to change at halftime, I think, where we really kind of struggled to break them down um, at all. Um the only chance I think to speak of really yeah, is Gibbs White coming in at the back post off an eight nearly cross. But do you think Fulham did something um you know to switch things up a little bit? I know we weren't all over in the first half, but did they change anything for you, Jafo? Was it just Yeah, I think when Marcos took him in at half time, I think he's just compacted him. And I think the gap between the centre backs and the fullbacks that we were ex- exploiting, he's just took the fullbacks in slightly slighter and then Polinia and um Harrison Reed were just dropping a little bit deeper uh, just to try and cover the defence. And it's to say they compacted us out and because we've uh, not that good at pushing the ball wide and getting crosses into the box at the moment because we haven't got that like target man, that focal point to work off. That That's how we got shut out. And I think if we have sh- open the game up and we get the first half, first uh, the goals in the first half, then it's one of them where you see the game out in the second but because we've we've gone into nil nil, that gives them a chance to regroup, and that they've they've understood what their weaknesses are, and they've addressed them, and and they've uh, they've stopped that ball in, in between the channels, which is unfortunate for us. But you know that's where we've got to adapt and overcome. Yeah, I mean, in in our attempts to kind of wrestle control of the game and, and start creating chances, there was a debut for the new boy, Gonzalo Geddish. Um, sorry, one second, my. Uh... Streamyard skills are, are not quite what they should be, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, when he came on, Tom, was you was you happy with the fact that it was Huang that came off uh, for him, and what was you expecting from him at that stage? Um, the sub, yeah, I mean, I think I think again, I don't think Huang was fit, hence why he came off, and you know, Huang's not a world beater by any means, but 
I was half hoping it was Pedence. It was going to come off, to be honest. Um, but yeah, when he came on, yeah, I mean, he looked, you could see what he was about. Um, you know, quick, uh, good touch. Um, he's got a bit of it. It seems like he had a bit of strength. I think there was what a couple of times. I think I don't know if it was Polinia he's battling with, and or, or the centre halves, and he really got got stuck in, got his back in between. He, you know, you could see he's got. You can see what he's about, basically. I mean, his, his first involvement was that sort of shank that he was. I think he's trying to go the outside of the foot, and it just it just went straight through to the keeper. Yeah. So that 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 wasn't the best. That was a bit of a rough moment for me that one. Um, but <laughs> um, other than that, I think generally, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can see what he's about, and Jafo's summed up perfectly there. They the Fulham just shut the spaces off. They took their their fullbacks deeper and inside, and and we had we had the the, the, the three behind the, the forward had no space to work, and that, and that sort of nullified. What we had because let's face it, we've got got nothing else with no centre forward, unfortunately. So yeah, there wasn't. He was limited on what he could do. Yeah, I mean, I'll flash this up for us. This is our average positions uh, from the game from whoscored.com. and you can see that that front four gives White, Pedence, um, Huang, and Neto all kind of strung across the uh, the front of the the pitch there. But I don't know about you. I, I found that. We were trying to be a little bit too intricate, probably. There's clearly a need to without a proper central focal point um, in the in the side. But I mean, they're all really attractive players to watch. Um, but clearly, there's something massive missing at, at the kind of sharp end of the pitch. There isn't there, Javel? I mean, what, was, what yeah. did you make of the actual link up between them? I think we just tried to do things in in. in in too too many intricate ways, so there was too many like little short touches, little passes, and they would say when we go we're getting shut out, the two two yard passes, the three yard passes, the one twos, they were just getting blocked off, and I think a lot of that um, meant that what was going on with the front that Neves was dropping a bit too deep to try and pick the ball up, and they're trying to spray it out to the full backs, but Eichnuri and Johnny and then Samadu who came on couldn't really affect the game because those the front the front three. Uh, slash four, we're getting sh- we're getting shut out, and so that they were everything was just trying to be a little bit too intricate. Where we, we probably should have just tried to bully our way through, which is where Raul would have probably been a better option. But as, as you know, we're struggling for for forwards at the moment. Well, strikers, switch forwards. Yeah, I mean, Tom, do you think did you sense this frustration from the crowd uh, in terms of? the way that we were approaching the game. I know for me, that I, th- I still appreciated the intent. I think that we were trying to get on the front foot and dominate the game and possession-wise and things we, we, we kind of did. And I still think we didn't really give away too much defensively, which is which is a pleasing sign. But in terms of, again, that attacking play, do you think the crowd were of an understanding kind of nature? or uh, Yeah, to an, to an extent. I mean, th- th- there, was a, there was a really good, you know, Bruno's army sort of chant. I think coming about, I don't know, 55, 60 minutes, I really sort of, I thought, I thought they did a pretty good job actually of trying to, you know, G him up a little bit. I know it didn't, you know, it didn't last sort of, you know, the, the, the rest of the game. The ref obviously helped uh, as it always does. You, you know, if, if the ref's having a stinker, then uh, it's a good way to get the crowd involved and, and raise the atmosphere a little bit. So I think that naturally helped. But in regard to, um, the sort of style, yeah, I think by and large, I think there wasn't too many, because, you know, I think get complaints around me about passing it backwards and all this sort of stuff, which winds me up. But I didn't have that much of that. Um, whether it's just a new season, there's new season ticket holders and less people to annoy me, I don't know, as of yet. Um, 
possibly. But uh, yeah, I, I think so, by and large. Uh, one thing I picked up on, I don't know if, if you noticed it, there seemed to be a real reluctance for, especially Aint Nori, to just get down the wing. The amount of times he checked back and went back inside, I didn't get that. You know, the, when Aint Nori's at his best, he's he's got his head down yeah. and, he's, and he's dribbling down that channel. But there'd be space in front of him and he just... It just wouldn't bother. Whether that's a tactical thing, they didn't want to get caught on the counter, possibly, you know, with with just the two centre halves back there, maybe. But I think that lost us a bit as well. To be fair, possibly. I, I think... mean, it was picked up last week. I think Dan said last week that, that there seems to be a lack of um, relationship between Neto and Ike Nuri, uh, and that they're struggling together to try and build up who 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 stops and who goes and and how they interact on the wing. And that's kind of holding him back. And I think we could see that a little bit yesterday because a lot of the time Neto was pulling it out wide and he was staying too wide and he was like occupy, occupying the space that I knew yeah. he was going to. Whereas, you know, he's not a player who goes underneath. He doesn't underlap with a ball very yeah. often. Um, so he's always lucky to go outside, but that's where, say, Pedro's standing. So I think that's something that they've got to work on on the training pitch. Yeah, no, you're totally right. I think my issue with that is I think Neto isn't quite good enough at the moment, coming off the right flank or playing centrally. And he's really at his best when he's going out down the outside of his full back onto his left foot. Cutting onto, I mean, he's, he's, he's clearly capable of using his right foot now. He, he, he seems to be quite comfortable doing that a lot more these days. But he's still, his, his raw kind of fundamental part of his game is, you know, going down the outside of his man and beating the pace. And like you say, Ait Nuri wants to do that. And the one time we did see it happen was when he crossed that ball for Gibbs White to come in at the back post and um, create a chance with it. So, yeah, maybe maybe there's a bit of a kind of a nuance there that we could work on to to really you know, develop attacks a bit better. But again, I, I'm not sure Neto has really got that part of his game ready yet. The, the big problem being, I think, and I mean, we'll kind of come on to kind of who played well and who played badly, but Pedence was kind of so off it. Um, that threat through the middle of the pitch just wasn't there um, either. To kind of link up with, um, and I think we really missed him um, having a good game. But obviously, the the major moment of the second half came, you know, kind of Sod's Law being a Wolves fan. Uh, Ryan Aitner decided to to dive in on the Bobby Deckard over Reed in the second half and, and give away a penalty just as um, our frustrations were starting to show. And give them a way out of, of of Molyneux with three points. But Jose Sarr turning up with a big save. Um, I mean, it wasn't the, the, the best of penalties from uh, Alexander Mitrovic, who'd really been marshalled brilliantly all day by um, Nathan Collins and Max Kilman. But, I mean, up until this point, Saar hasn't saved a penalty for us. Um, and I know there's always a first time for everything, but I don't know, Tom, did you did you feel confident that something was going to happen positive for us? Uh, no, I'll be honest, yeah. I thought it was going in. No, but um, you're right, Mitrovic had a terrible game. Like everyone was so shit scared before the game, and he was dire. Um, Collins was on him constantly. Yeah, anywhere near the ball, he goes, he go, yeah, he'd, he'd, uh, he'd rough him up a little bit, and it was nice to see because we've seen him do, you know, him do it to us plenty of times. Um, so no, but I did think he was going to score. I must admit, but yeah, it was nice yeah. to see Sar, Sar pull one off. But again, it's a bit concerning with Aitnori because that's arguably three cock ups in two games now. Um, and that is one thing we're going to get with playing, you know, the, the system of playing with a four. He's not got a centre-half closer to him to, to back him up and, and, and get him out of dodgy situations such as that. So, 
we all know that he's, he's awesome going forward by and large. But yeah, he's he did look so much so much better defensively last season, um, and it's very early days, and he and he's a, and he's a cracking player. I'm not writing him off at all, but um, he's got to be a little bit careful because Smedo walks back in that team for me. So then it's a toss up between him and Johnny at left back. Yeah, I, I mean, I think. The bottom line is all of our fullbacks are going to suffer from just having to cover more ground this season. You know, I think there are a lot of instances where the ball got into Nascens Cabano's feet quite easily. He managed to stand uh, Johnny up a little bit, and he seemed to struggle with with Cabano cutting onto his right foot and actually yep. stopping him getting away from him as well. So, but nature of a back four is that extra width is going to be there. If someone is going to go and hang out on the touchline, they will receive the ball, they're likely to get more crosses into the box and things like that. So I think there's a, a degree of us fans having to kind of accept that that's going to be the case, but understand that, you know, like they did at the weekend, Collins and Kilman are there to stand up and kind of be counted when the ball does come into the box as well. Um, and kind of clearly part of that conversation, you know, frustrations boiled over a little bit towards the end for Alexander Mitrovic, perhaps. Um, poor game, missed penalty. Charging back to help out his defence, but a real dirty hack at Morgan Gibbs White while we were countering. Um, and seemingly inexplicably, um, the referee decided it was two yellows, uh, one each for Gibbs White and Mitrovic, despite a, a bit of a butting match going on there. I mean, Jeff, I don't know how Mitrovic has managed to get away without. It's shocking. Sent off, is it? It's, it's shocking. I, I, I'm, I'm surprised that both of them stayed on the pitch. I just think. <laughs> The pair of them were just acting like a couple of couple of school kids, to be honest. I know he's hacked at him, but Gibbs White's got to keep his head there. He's got to try and stay calm, um, and it's it's not good. It's not. It, we've seen a little bit of this in pre-season as well. Now, I, I I don't mind him showing fight, but there just seems to be a little bit of a turn towards this aggressive nature. And and so we've had a couple of the pre-season friendlies where there was a lot of yellow cards and and a lot of aggressive tackles and nature was standing up to the other teams and with Gibbs White and, and Mitrovic I say both of them should have been sent off yesterday because you don't want to see that on the football pitch you, you don't want to see people acting in such an aggressive manner towards each other it's not good it's, it's, it's not the advert that we should be putting out for the game but I don't, I don't know I don't, I don't know how you see it I, I, just, I just thought you know there's a yellow for the tackle immediately uh, you know because mm. it was exactly what you know in in essence what Pedence did in the first half to stop a counter-attack and get booked for um so straight away that's and, and then for the afters at least a yellow for Mitrovic um perhaps uh, maybe you're suggesting there that, that you know they should have both um, received a red but you're talking like uh, Martinelli did um for Arsenal last season two yellows in quick succession the two offenses were there right in front of us I mean we were deep into injury time at that point. Fulham had done a pretty good job of um, making sure the ball wasn't in play for the last 20 minutes. I think, you know, by my count, it was probably about 10 minutes of football in the last 20, uh, you know, at, at the very most. Um, from the moment the penalty was given until the end of the game, it was just a ridiculous amount of stop-start. And I mean, Tom, I, don't, I, I know it's frustrating and I know... Um, well, Leeds fans uh, certainly dis decided we were guilty of it last week again. I I I'm not sure why, because it, I, we, we were never really in a position to go out and really time waste. <laughs> but clearly, referees are struggling to keep a lid on this kind of behaviour. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the ref didn't help himself. He lost control, didn't he? But um, yeah, see, I'm a fan of the stop clock idea. I don't 
think some people are, but I, it just cuts everything out. You play, <laughs> you play 60 minutes, if you like. No, think... Yeah, you play 60 minutes and you, you just stop the clock. When the ball, yeah. There's none of the time wasting. There's no taking time on a throw, goal kick, rolling around, doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I think that would be just so much, so much better. And it's not because of adverts and everything like that, because you wouldn't stop for adverts. You know, the, the ball's only in play for, is it about 60% of the time or, or something like that on average anyway? So Yeah, I think average, you're talking 55 to 60 minutes anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, more, more if it's Burnley, less if it's Burnley. <laughs> Teams yeah. like that. And it, but it cuts it all out, doesn't it? It just it doesn't it doesn't happen anymore. Anyway, it's the only way to control what, what, what went on yesterday, because I think there was... A, Two or three separate occasions where that goalkeeper held onto the ball for over ten seconds, and the referees done nothing about it. Yeah, he just, just glared at him. He's I not think, even tapped his watch. He's not even had a word. It's just something, just a little. It's an annoyance more than anything. I think that that and foul th- keeper hold onto the ball and foul throws are two rules within the game that have basically been erased out at some point without mm. us being told because they're two things that just don't get picked up on at all. Um, I, I mean, we've come out of it seemingly should have won could have lost got a point um in terms of your your real standout performers on the day we've, we've just mentioned collins and kilman for me kilman especially i thought was just absolute rolls royce levels he was he was unbelievable do you, do, you, do you think that that partnership has a lot of promise in it i think it's it, it's it's the modern day partnership. I mean, they're both two centre backs who are very very good on the ball. They can carry the ball out. We've seen that with Kilman and Collins. They carried the ball 20, 30 yards on a couple of occasions, and they can pass the ball out. It's exactly what we need to to to, to take the football club forward and and to play progressive and attacking football that we want to see down at Molyneux because it has to come from the back. And these two young guys, you know, um, Irish and Irish and English guy, you know, fantastic. It, it's it's. It's great because the future looks bright with these two guys. You know whether whether they're out, they're here like four or five years into the future or, or wherever that their careers are going to be stand out because they are uh, excellent performers and they are the, the perfect example of modern centre backs. Tom, does that yeah? yeah. To bed the yeah, I was going to say about whether we yeah, well, this is it. Or... We did like like we didn't look. You know, any more open than we would have done, you know, playing the five. Um, I know, granted, it's Fulham and it's early days, but yeah, I think there's really, really promising signs there. Um, there was one in the first half where Collins just went straight, he didn't go straight through someone, but he won the ball, you know, really high up the pitch, got us on the front foot straight away. They're not afraid to play a higher line. I mean, I don't think they were, you know, neither of them particularly quick, but they, were, they weren't worried to. You know, to, to, to push the uh, to push the line up at all, um, and yeah, I think I think Collins had one dodgy moment. I think when he, when he lost the ball, I think he was just trying to be a little bit clever. I think there's occasions where they're overplaying, um, but I think yeah, we, we, you know that, that that'll that'll sort of be ironed out with time. I would have thought. Yeah, I think to be honest, Mitrovic not being on the score sheet kind of puts the Cody debate to bed anyway. We all know he, he probably would have eaten him alive if, if he played in that fixture. Um, I, I am curious to see what we decide to do against Tottenham though, just because they play with wing-backs and um, you know, perhaps there is scope for us to go back to a back three next week, especially given the, they're such a good side and, and, and how we kind of play. In terms of further forwards, what do we make of 
particular, I'd say Neto and Pedence because oh, I just thought they weren't at the races. Uh, Jafar, come to you, come to you first. Um, yeah, I, I, I think Neto played particularly too bad. I, I, he had the glaring opportunity and he messed a couple of things up. But Pedence, I think he slowed the game down too much, especially in the second half. He was trying too much to force something and try and make that killer pass, whereas he could have just been inventive and just gone for it and tried to attack the players. But there was too many times where he's stopping with the ball at his feet at the edge of the box and just tr- trying to wait for something to happen. Whereas, say, what he should have been using his ability to try and attack the defenders, but uh, I don't know. I don't know why he wasn't taken off. I, I think he should have been, like you said, Tom, I think he... Pedence was probably the one who should have been taken off for Geddes. Um But uh, if Wang's not fit, then so be it. You know, he, 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 it's a circumstance thing again. And that's that, that lack of strength in depth that, you know, we're still trying to address. I mean, we obviously saw Adama Traore back um, in Wolves colours as well. Um, I mean, Suffered partly from just the ball not being in play for for pretty much the entire time he was on the pitch. But do you think he, he's still got a role to play at the club? Obviously, he's, he's he's got the ability to be an impact sub there, Tom. But should we be looking to him to make an impact? Um, I don't think he's one to be relied on. Um, to be honest, he's he's like I think um, I think Jafo touched on this in the preview to Fulham. Like, yeah, okay, offers something something different, you know. Going back to Nuno's phrase, he's, he's really unique, but um, didn't see much from him yesterday, to be honest. Um, yeah, okay, but I don't, like you say, I couldn't, I couldn't decide if it was if it was just like he didn't have the opportunity, and he had the ball a couple of times. I mean, there's one, I don't know how many times he touched the, had the ball at his feet, probably twice, I think, but I don't know the one time, I just knew he was going to get tackled. He was holding on to it, holding on to it. He wanted to roll his man, he couldn't, and then he didn't know what to do. He got tackled and then Fulham counted, so... Um, I don't know. I don't know if he's got that much of a role to play. I think the the the, the, the three behind, yeah, hopefully Raul I mean, or someone new. I was going to say that that they they're really fluid. Um, they could play across. You know, they were doing it all throughout the game. They were switching positions and doing what I have. Troy's got one way of playing, and that's it. Um, you know, he plays wide right, and it is a wide right. He can't play him inverted. It, it just doesn't work. That's not doesn't play to his his strengths, uh, and he's not a goal threat. So. Maybe he's okay to have as an impact sub, but I wouldn't be relying on him for a course of a season. Yeah, I guess if you if you've got him in that wide right role without a target in the middle to hit for crosses and stuff like that, then you're probably um, you're probably not going to get the best out of him either. But the central midfield is obviously a big debate at the moment for the club in terms of bringing someone in. Um, we had Neves and Denogger in there yesterday. Jafar, what did you make of their performances? And kind of as a secondary question. Joao Polinia being on the opposite side um, was clearly someone who the club were potentially looking on bringing in um, this summer. Do you think he would have added anything that we were missing, or are we are we quite comfortable with him not being in the wool shirt? Um, I start with with our with our two guys. I thought Dendonka really really played well yesterday. I think he did exactly what he was asked to do. His energy levels were fantastic. He was popping up at all all different points, winning the ball back. Starting play transitions were really good from him, and I thought Neves probably played a little bit too deep. But I mean, that's nitpicking with him because he's exceptional at getting the ball and spraying it. But yeah, I think he could have benefited from being ten yards further up the pitch. Um, with Polinia, I think Polinia 
as we seen yesterday, I think as we seen last week when they played Liverpool, his his bite and grit, and um, you know destru- the destructive part of his game is something that we've actually we've missed. And Neves does it quite well and quite efficiently without being seen. But it's something that I think we need as a club to enable people like Moutinho Neves to to push forward and try and get that little bit more creative freedom to stop essentially what was happening yesterday with Neves dropping a little bit too deep. Because if you have somebody like that, they can pick the ball up and start the transitions. And, you know, and that's he's more suited to that role. He can drop in. He's a little bit stronger. He's a bit built, bit bigger build. You know, you stop a lot of the the play that comes through the centre then when you have somebody like that. And I think, yeah, he would have been, I think he would have been a great asset to the club. And I think that, that I think it's a mistake to let, that they let him go to Fulham without into trying to trying to buy him. Um, but hopefully they've got a plan. Hopefully they can bring somebody in. But it's uh, it, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to hold my breath on that one. Tom, what do you reckon? Um, you can see what Polinia is about. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm adamant that if Neves had been sold week one of the window, Polinia would have been in the following week. I'm, I'm adamant. I think it's because Neves, they still had Neves, and they earmarked him for the sort of deeper deeper role that they didn't feel they needed Polinia. I mean, the argument for that was you could have played Polinia in that role and then pushed Neves further up. Um, but Polinia plays in one position and one position only, and that's and that's like, you know, defensive mid, isn't it? Um, so if you're going to play Neves in that role, then you can't you can't play him unless you're going to play two two defensive midfielders there, which I don't think Bruno wants to do. And I don't think that's what he did at Benfica. I think he just played, just played the one. Um, so... I think yeah, he looked he looked a player, and I was disappointed that we didn't get him. To be honest, but um, I think it's more due to the fact we kept holding Neves while we didn't yeah. while we didn't sign him. Yeah, I, I I don't really buy the whole pushing Neves further forward positionally kind of thing, just because I think his best attribute is receiving the ball and being the first point of attack in terms of finding a, a longer pass and, and threading a pass into the into the forwards. I think. If you have him too high up the pitch, he's playing with his back to goal probably too much, and yeah, then you're asking him to do stuff that he's probably not built to do. Yeah, he hasn't got that kind of dexterity with his feet that someone like a Pedence has with when he receives the ball in tight areas and things. And ultimately, I think with Polinia, he he would have added something in terms of the depth of the squad, yes, but I don't think he was going to raise kind of the seeding level of of, of the squads. Um, I think Dendonka is perfectly fine. You really talking between the two of them, I think. And for me, like I say, I mean, Dendonka seems to have actually benefited from the change of shape a little bit, just because it seems there's more players ahead of him that have attacking responsibility and people aren't frustrated by his um, his lack of creativity. It, it's absolutely 100% is the remit that he's, he's asked not to do anything, I think, overly, uh, you know, technical or creative when he gets onto the ball because he just seems to lay it off quite easily. But um I still think he did he did really well in the breakdowns and, and, and picking up possession and stuff like that in the middle of the pitch. Um but was there any other notable performances for you that you want to pick out, good or bad? That's about it. Jo- Johnny was disappointing. Yeah. I thought um yeah he, he, it's a shame because he had a good good end to last season. But um yeah he touched on it earlier. Cabano and Cabana's not a world beater, is he? Um, and he and he he looked to be he looked like he was on Saturday, unfortunately. Um, and and he was sloppy in possession as well, which is really really strange uh, to see. So um, I think so when Samedo came on, he was only on for ten fifteen minutes, but he did 
you can tell who's the best fullback on you know the best fullback we've got going um, just from what he did when he came on um, he actually ran the channel on the left hand side if I remember rightly you know yeah. put a, quite a nice uh, low low ball in which again centre forward might have put away um, so yeah Johnny's a bit disappointing so I think yeah Samado's back in at right back and then it's just uh, yeah toss up between the other two for the left back slot yeah, I'm surprised that Samedo looks as sharp as he did. Given he's not, he's not had any preseason really. Um, Johnny, I, I don't understand it really because uh, being a natural right footer, he seems a lot less comfortable on the right hand side. Um, doesn't seem to, to be able to shift his feet quite as well as he does on the left. Um, but again, he could also be suffering just because he's not able to get out to his man as quickly as he used to either. Um, but I think. Defensively, uh, we're, we're looking quite... I mean, bar Mitrovic, I didn't feel like we should have worried too much about Fulham for, in, a, in an attacking sense. Um, but at the same time, yeah, they did their job. They did their job, to be honest. Um, if you had to pick a man of the match, Jafo, who are you going with? Uh, Nathan Collins for me. I thought he was brilliant. Okay. Great. Tom? Yeah, I'd, I'd probably just edge towards Kilman, but it'd be either Kilman or Collins, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think I'd Kilman really. Um, just I, I, the bloke never looks flustered in any situation whatsoever. I just absolutely love him. He, he is. You can see he's been asked to step up from a leadership perspective as well. I think, and you can you notice in different things about his game now. So long may that continue. Um, we'll leave Fulham there though. Um, not one that's going to live long in the memory, I think. But hopefully, we'll uh, pick up in our next home game at Newcastle after. Tottenham next week. We're going to have a quick break and when we come back we're going to dabble a little bit into the conversation about our hierarchy at the moment and have Twitter corner. So we'll catch you after this. Hi all, Gully from Wolves Fancast here and just like all of you long-suffering Wolves fans I know exactly what it feels like to be lacking a creative spark here, some outside of the box thinking there but our sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media, are here to help. They're a creative agency that cover all of your web design, branding and marketing needs with our very own WolvesFanCast.com, a fine example of their work. So much so that I hear Jeff Shee is looking to do a deal this summer. For now, it's back to the team to ask just where the Diogo Jota money has gone. We may have just had our answer. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Um, Star of the show pre-match, uh, which um, was a slight surprise to us, was uh, our, our very own chairman, well, of Fosun, uh, anyway, uh, Guo Guangchang being in attendance. And uh, he brought a little friend with him, seemingly, in uh, in George Mendes. But uh, there's, there's um, other kind of conversations going on around the, the fact that they were both seen together at Molyneux. Um, Seemingly, there's um, some investment potentially planned for the club as well. Talk of even the fact that, you know, sell to buy isn't a thing for now. Maybe we can actually go and splurge a little bit of cash. And I mean, Tom, I don't know if you think this is maybe a bit of a, a riposte to the commentary around the club this summer, saying folks are not interested anymore or, you know, if, they, if they're not bothered anymore, should they sell up, et cetera, et cetera. What, what did you make of it? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it like that, but um, yeah, quite possibly. I think with Mendes, obviously he was there when Gerdes signed on the Tuesday, I think, because he was in the videos, wasn't he, on, on, the, uh, on his first day. So he's probably hung around. Um, 
it's nice. It, yeah, it's it, it's good to see. I mean, you know, the best times, you know, in the in the first year have been you know when he's been around and um, and seemingly interested. And you do see, you know, especially from our uh, illustrious uh, neighbours, where the owner just clearly doesn't give a shit and he's never there. So from that point of view, it it, it was nice to see and. Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose in theory that they've spent fifty million, haven't they, already this year, not recouped anything. I don't know this sell to buy thing. Sell to buy, I don't think necessarily means that, well, being sort of self sustainable. Sorry, I don't think it's the same as sell to buy. I think you can be self sufficient by still, you know, having your incomings more than your outgoings because just purely the amount of money you get from being the Premier League and all the, you know, the. The riches and revenue that, that comes from it. So, um, you know, they've, they've had a net outlay of 50 mil so far, not recruits any. I mean, you know, arguably you've had something for, for Cody, but I think the bulk of that will be coming next season. Uh, so, yeah, fingers crossed there's, there's something in the offing. Yeah, I mean, if if investment isn't on the horizon, um, what would your first port of call be? We've probably had this conversation uh, a number of times already this uh, summer, but uh, where are you going with that those transfer funds right now? It's a tough one. It is tough to, to try and uh, look at who we can actually bring in and um, potentially not a lot of money. Um, but for me, I mean, we said it in the in the preview, I think if the, the offer for Gibbs White is 25 million plus add-ons, I think, and they're easy add-ons and you start talking 30, 35 million, pretty much guaranteed because the add-ons. Then that's where we should we should be looking to to move him on. I think I, th- I think for that sort of money, for someone who's only had one season in the championship, where he's been a perform consistent performer, and I think the two games this season so far he hasn't really done a lot. I think we we could potentially make a lot of money there, and that could uh, that sort of cash injection could help us get one or two players in. Um. Sorry, Jeff. I we've uh, yeah. We've I mean, a, yeah. Literally, that comes in, the, in, the, in the comments already. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I guess there's there's more scope for it now that we've got Geds in that he could. Because I, my personal feeling was that despite the offer, and clearly it's an extortionate offer, we just had no depth whatsoever to fall back on for us to actually let him go. Especially when it, it came out that it was kind of day before the opening day of the season. Now, subsequently. Nottingham Forest have gone another trolley dash uh, in the last 24 hours, haven't they? You know, Emmanuel Dennis, Giate, and Remo Freud have all shit as the 1 0 at home against um, against West Ham as well just today. Will they even come back in for him? And and do you, do you think off the back of the first couple of games, they, they might have been put off, or do you think we should be looking to persist with him? Tom, I don't know if you've got any opinions on that. Uh, yeah, it's a tough one. I think if he, especially if he's not going to sign a new contract, you've got to you've got to consider it. But it's whether we've got faith in them investing the funds wisely um, or at all. Um, you know, I, th- I still think I think in that area now we're we're, we're set. If he was to go, um, again, it depends. It really depends who, who you get. You know, for me, we, if we get a, a decent centre forward option and another midfielder I think you've got to say it's been a pretty good window to be honest um, but we haven't utilised our special loan uh, system yet have we, that we love so I'm hoping that, that there's, they've got a couple of aces up the sleeve with that 
Um, but yeah, I mean, if it's a case of literally, again, I know we're always talking about we're always talking about Nunes. I think I've made this point before. If, if you if the figures are lining up, so you you know you can if Gibbs White goes and you can get Nunes in, it's a no brainer for me. But um, again, it, it depends if it's the money's just going to be sat in the bank. You're better off keeping Gibbs White and seeing what happens come January. And and you know, looking at it again at that point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, who knows what's going to happen? I think um, there's no smoke without fire for me. And uh, like I said, the presence of, of Go in attendance at the game, perhaps Mendes is involved somewhere along the line beyond the Geddes deal. Um, th- there's also news reported that we've offered Neves a new contract um, to make him one of the highest paid players at the club. If he, if he wasn't that already, I think it, this would definitely make him a kind of a, a, a top of the top of the pile in that sense. So, who knows? Maybe, um, maybe there's a reinvigoration around uh, Wolves from the hierarchy, and uh, we'll we'll watch his space, I guess. Um, brings us to Twitter corner, and um, we'll, we'll wrap it up after that. But um, start with the regular contributor Todd Dewitt. Tim for hat time was Cody loaned out and not sold because the board doesn't fully trust Large. If he and his back four doesn't work out, the board can sack Large and bring back Cody to see how he works in the new manager system. That's um. Feels a bit of a conspiracy theory, to be honest. Yeah. But Jafar, what yeah. do you reckon? Uh, yeah, I'll throw more tinfoil onto that if you want. So I, I listen to what people say when when I'm around, and uh, one of the things that I heard got said was that Lars just sold his house and he's not moving his family over. So add that onto what you will. But I'm I'm taking all of that with a massive grain of salt. But <laughs> yeah, I'll add more tinfoil on. Oh, it's, it's a conspiracy. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not a given that you know Bruno Large is going to say out of the season, is it? We, you know, obviously things are going to be performance related in, in in terms of his future at the club. But do you think Cody's position within that is is a factor, Tom? Do you think do you see him potentially actually coming back to Wolves and, and playing a role? Uh, no, I can't see it. I, I don't think. I think he's he's gone now. Um... You know, so I mean, it did, it's quite ironic, wasn't it, that uh, so he got subbed for Everton when they decided to go to a back four, so even though I think he's not able to play in a back four, so that made me chuckle. I mean, I love the bloke, I do love the bloke still, but um, that did make me laugh. Um, you can't no, get away from it, you can't yeah, get away from it, but I think it's more, it's more for me. I don't think Lampard's gonna last a season at Everton, so what if uh, you know, and this is why maybe the deal won't go through. You know, and that manager doesn't want to play five at the back, and therefore, you know, Cody's not going to be playing in a four. So, I think that's more likely. Um, but no, I think, no, I, th- I think I've got a bit of respect for Large because he's gone, he's gone, he's gone all in on four at the back, and and you know, there's enough fans screaming for it last season. So, let, you know, f- fair play to him in a way. Um, yeah, the, okay, the circumstance of the deal, whether you know, alone isn't the best. Obviously, we, we would have all wanted it to be a permanent. Thing done and Dustin got money in the bank for it, but um, yeah, he's gone all in and and uh, fair play to him for that. Well, zero points out of six for Everton so far this season, so that's uh, it's all going well. At <laughs> <laughs> uh, check the place, uh, is there a danger that results end of last season combined with the start of this one make players like Neves and Bongis White more actively seek a move? I mean, I don't think there's any suggestion that. Neves wasn't kind of on the lookout for something anyway. Um, I think he understands that he's come to a point in his career where 
you know, he, he could do with getting into those the upper echelons of the league, but maybe he has been priced out. Javar, what do you, do you reckon to that question? It's a tough one because I think a lot of the back end of last season was just, we. I think, because we knew we couldn't get anything, the whole steam just went out of it. And and the, I, I hate when it, when it happens, but the players were almost on the beach for the last five games. We've come in this season, the first two results, I know they've not been ideal. I, we got off the mark yesterday with a point, but you can see parallels to the start of last season. We're trying something new and it's it's not going to change overnight. We've started really well in the friendlies. Fantastic. We, we played well. We got some good results, scored a lot of goals, especially in the Besiktas game. And you can see where it was really working. But to actually translate that into a league game and to actually get start to get points in the Premier League, changing the whole philosophy and evolving what we're doing as a football club is, is difficult. And I don't think we'll start to see the riches of it until four or five games into the season. So I think once we'd say the normal cliche, 10 games into the season, we'll see where we are. And I think it's our second five games, six to 10 in the season, where we'll really see what it's about. And I think we'll start to see the development and the riches of what we've got as a football club moving forward and playing this more progressive football and we'll see what it's all about then. I think until then, I think there's a slight uh, period of adaptation, even though they've been doing it for a pre-season. I think that that'll translate onto the pitch through the league. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go along with that. I think um, old habits die hard. You could sit there's so many things that are still ingrained in us and they just don't they don't want to put the ball in the box that, that that's that's clear they don't they want to put any sort of height on a cross um it has to be on the floor or not at all and that's fair enough because you know we've got no one in there at the moment and, and last season there'd be Jimenez if that and he didn't want to head the ball so um that's so it's just sort of ingrained in them I still, as I get again I, you know still think we you know we look much better on the counter attack, and when teams sit in, we we really do struggle, and it's going to be some sort of yeah, they're going to have to work a way around that for sure. Um, and you see with other teams as well. I mean, look, I mean, we'll have a little laugh at Man United's expense, but they've had a new manager, new way of playing, new coaching staff, and they're exactly the same team. Yeah. You know, so you know, so there's, there's the personnel factor as well. You know, these fortunately a lot of these forward players they don't score goals, so you know, is that going to change just just by um, you know, a few little tactical tweaks here and there. And and I also want to point out, it's not, you can't level the last two games at Bruno at all because it's clear as day that we need a striker. Um, and you, you can't account for the chances that we've, that we've missed. Um, you know, you can get the players in the positions, but it's up to them to stick the ball in the net. And you can't um, legislate for the cock-ups at Leeds either, really. Um, so... As much as Large does have his faults, you can't level the last two two games at him. I think you know the, 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 there's a lot there's a lot on the players and the, and the personnel, and you know unless they want to invest in a decent striker, I think you know it's going to unfortunately be be running over this season as well as it was last season. Yeah, I mean talking to strikers, our next question uh, slightly change attack in terms of the, the current team, but at B Townley. Is Fabio wasting his time in Belgium? Many were worried the league wouldn't be a challenge for him, and it looks like that's the case. Back on the score sheet again today. Uh, four out of five, I think it is, at this stage. Um, Jafar, what do you make of that? I, I think, personally, that it, it, it couldn't be a better move for him, really, at this point in his career. And just um, to see him scoring goals, I'm so pleased for him. 
I'm on the same page as you. I think it's fantastic. I think it's exactly what he needs to be out there, playing it week in, week out. I know it's going to be a lot easier than for him in the, than the Premier League because that's the state, stage of the Belgian League. But scoring goals at the age of 20 is fantastic. That's exactly what he needs to really push his confidence and push him through. To Levy, that we kind of need him here, I think probably isn't the right way to look at it because he's not the type of footballer we probably needed yesterday. I think if people have been watching what he's been doing in Anderlecht, a lot of his runs and his goals have come running off the shoulder of defenders. I think what we need as a football club yesterday and what we've seen is some, we need somebody to link up play, someone to drop ball, drop deep to get the ball, to move it and transition it. And I don't think he's a focal point sort of striker yet. I think his strengths are running behind, breaking the lines as a striker. And I, I think that there is a massive difference between him and Raul. I think to compare the two of them is difficult because that they play the game so differently. The only, the only thing you could say is the one goal that he has scored for Anderlecht was very similar to one that Ralph scored against Man United a couple of years ago. But I yes, think if they're going to bring yeah. someone in, it's got to be someone who works as a focal point. I think Batshuayi is quite good at that, who has been linked. I think he plays well with his back to goal uh, and links up the player really well. But it's something that they've got to look at and they've got to look for a player who can, like I say, play with his back to goal and link up the play. And that's something that Fabio... Because of his age and I think of his his lack of strength and development at this point, he can't really do. It's something he's got to work on. I think that's what he'll do while he's in Belgium. And I think we'll see more and more of that. Yeah, Tom, have you been following Fabio closely? Like I assume every Wolves fan on the planet is. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, the boy can't win, can he? I mean, what's the question? He's like they're saying it's too easy for him now. I mean, what is he? Do you know what I mean? If he's if he's not scoring, oh, he's shit. He, he can't score any goals. And if he's scoring goals, it's too easy. You know, league's too easy. I mean, what's he supposed to do? Um, I think, like, like, yeah, I completely agree. I think it's a great move for him. And to criticise him for scoring goals is ludicrous. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I might just switch. I, I, I don't. I think I completely agree with what you said, Jafo. But I'd have liked to have seen how he got on in, especially against Fulham, um, mm. because he's he's still a bit of a fox in the box for me. I mean, he's had a couple of goals where he's. Um, You've sort of got a lot of one-on-one with the keeper. But his movement is incredible. I think we're all in agreement. His movement as a as a striker is is brilliant. It's so good. And that's one of those things that, you, you know, it's really hard to teach. So, um, yeah, let's just, um, let's just hope we reap the rewards of that next season. But now, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm chuffed for him. And he got an assist as well today, I think. I think he had a goal and an assist, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, what, what, I about, what I liked about his goal today was the fact that he was a header. I don't think I've ever seen him connect cleanly with a header, actually. Just <laughs> yeah, the yeah. club. But it was, it, was a, it was a really well-guided goal. Um, so, yeah, another string to his bow. I mean, we've had a question here from Paul in the comments. Do you think we'll bring him back in January if we're struggling? I mean, we've, we've done this before with Gibbs White, haven't we, where he was, he was on a real good roll. I know he was injured kind of at the time that um, we recalled him from Swansea. But if we'd have left him out, you know, at Swansea for the second half of that season, you know, who knows where, where he could have been, that, you know, at the, at the start of that final, um, that's the season with Bruno, potentially, you know, he could have been, you know, absolutely flying like he seems to, I mean, I know he's not necessarily hit the ground running at this point, but it's a dangerous move taking a player away from a good spell of form and a good spell of games, isn't it? It's going to be, it's one of them, it's like, we have to be in a disastrous situation for him to come back. Like literally, we're, we're gonna have to have 
no forwards left. So he, even Chem Campbell have to, will have to be injured, I think, to bring him yeah. back. Because there's no point in, in messing up what is essentially the season to make Fabio Silva. We don't yeah. need to bring him back. Just we need, I mean, he needs to stay there. At the, at the rate he's going, you're talking, by the time the World Cup comes around and then it's January, he scored probably 10 to 15 goals. He's going to win the Golden Boot at the World Cup, obviously. Um, <laughs> and then he's going to come back and take the Premier League by storm. So if he comes back and plays 90 metres every week, then there's obviously an we're not going to do that please please just leave the boy alone let him go in bag hatfuls of, of goals in the belgian league who gives a shit what standard it is and you know then he will be buzzing by the start of the season and then you know you've got a player on your hands where you can kind of say to raul plus whichever striker you might bring in this season look guys i ain't being funny but until you can reach the levels that this bloke has shown over the last 12 months then um, you're not going to be in the side, and I just think he's so he's so in tune with like Pedence um, and and you know the other some of the other um, forwards in the. I, I still think Forest away. I know Forest were terrible uh, in the Carabao Cup last season. I think we had Fabio Pedence and Gibbs White started that game up front, even though it took us an hour to score a goal. The three of them, in terms of their their link up play and everything, he was un, they were unbelievable. You know, and you know, it was a really exciting time to be a Wolves fan watching that game, but. Yeah, just leave the ball on for me. I think um, he's best best uh, left in hand elect where he can um, absolutely smash up the Jupiler Pro League, as it's called. Um, we'll have one final question from our very own Richard Hobbs. Um, what needs to happen in the next two weeks for this to be classed as a good transfer window? For me, a centre midfielder who can carry the ball and a striker, and I think we're on to a winner. Jafo, come to you first. Yeah. Bang on. I agree with you 100% on that. I think the centre mid, I think we touched on it in the preview and we took, you touched on it then again. That's an area we have to focus on. We just don't have the numbers there. We just don't have the the, the volume. We can see in every other area the um, skin fade comment for Fabio Sorrell. I love that. Okay. But um, the, um, yeah, so in every other area of the pitch, you've got two players for every position. At the moment, I don't think we've got two for each of the midfielders because Connor Ronan then they've not bought him off the bench yet uh, Luke Kundal, um still needs development time you need somebody in there who's going to challenge the status quo because once again Moutinho is going to be here for another 12 months uh, and you know how much how many, how many games are he going to play you know he's already missed the first two with injury um, he might be one of them seasons where he only manages to play a quarter of the games or a third of the games so there's no depth and you say your two senior players are Dendonka and Neves, that's that's a hell of an ass to ask them to to go a whole season without one getting suspended and two getting injured. So, yeah, yeah central midfielder and, yeah, as we've touched on, a striker's <laughs> crucial for us. It really is. I think that's going to make or break what, whether we finish top half or whether we finish in the top of the, the top, well, the between 11th and 15th. I think that's really going to make or break where we finish. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think it's absolutely critical. Um, Neves is guaranteed to be suspended for at least two or three games a season. He, he, he loves a booking. Um, but there, there was games in pre-season where he played the three of them. He played Neves, Matinho and Donk. And then, you know, literally, literally got to stick with those for the whole game because you've got no other option. And I don't think... We'll see, we'll see what happens at Spurs, but I don't think he's going to play the so-called bigger sides with the front four. I think he needs an extra body if he's not going to play it across the back, which I don't 
edging towards maybe he's not going to, then he'll need to play another body in midfield. And so it's just a necessity, it's absolute necessity to, to, to get one in. I completely agree, Kundal's not ready for me. Um, he needs some, some football a bit further down. And If we do go back to Spurs away last season, Kundal started that one, we came out with a 2-0 win. It's uh, five at the back, Jeff. Uh, five at the back, though. Gully won it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we saw in preseason they did do the um, the three across midfield with with the three forwards, and um, obviously that was Matinho involved uh, with with Neves and Dendonka. Argument that Matinho might be available uh, for Spurs. I think the suggestion is that he, he might be back in squad. I doubt he'll be starting that game though. Um, but there was a, a, another comment thrown up here about need for a fullback. Yeah, we're not we're not totally you know blessed in that area at the moment. Obviously, uh, Hugo Bueno is ostensibly the the backup left back at this stage. Nelson Semedo coming back into it is is a big plus clearly, and um, we know Ryan Aitnuri can struggle with um, you know a flurry of games and the intensity of them uh, in the past anyway. So maybe there's a need to to bring someone in there. I agree. Yeah, I've said that as well. They've all, all three of them have got question marks on their fitness, haven't they? So, um, you know, Johnny goes down with another knee injury, then you've got to play two fullbacks all, you know, the same two fullbacks all season, which isn't going to happen. So, um, yeah, I agree. I know he's, he's, he's tried Totty at left back, hasn't he? Mascara at right back, but just, it, it, the games I've watched, it hasn't worked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just a, a Poolis, Poolis style of. Um, yeah, it makes you wonder why Ryan Giles was sent out online. I know he's doing really well again, and I think he's developing and the more and more he plays. But should he have been the one who was kept instead of Hugo Bueno? For me, probably, and send Bueno out online. Um, because from what he was doing last season at Cardiff and what, what he was doing at Millsborough uh, now, is you can you can really see that guy's developing. He's He's going to... You know, he's looking like he can sort of be in a Premier League team, although bottom, bottom half Premier League team. But he's got the attributes, he's got the ability to to, to be in and around that squad. Yeah. So I, I thought it was a strange one to send him out and then keep Bueno. But, sorry, sorry, sorry to kill you, Jafar, but own goal yeah. for Ryan Giles today. It was a tasty um, one. Oh, was as well. it? Was <laughs> it? Yeah. I, haven't seen, I, I haven't seen. I, I haven't seen it. So unfortunately, unfortunately, I'm. I I don't know if he's a left back though. I think I think a wing back. You can see it, him having a role, but a, a proper left back. I, I do wonder if he's got that in his game. But okay. yeah, the whole fudging a centre off in there really doesn't sit well with me at all. And so I'm hoping that he's not seeing Mascara and Gomez as um, as the backup fullback. And yeah, Collins can Collins can play right back apparently. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> it's just not. He's, he's, nah, not for me. He's he's brought up at Stoke. That's what they do there. Oh, um, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so there you go. Um, we'll call it a day there, guys. We managed to drag out an hour of content from an ill-nil draw. So um, well done, well done, to Tom and your folks. <laughs> um, but obviously, we'll uh, be back with a preview show in the week. I'll be doing uh, the first GTA this season as well, uh, looking at the the Fulham draw. A couple of things um, pulled out from that one. Uh, with the data and analytics uh, available to me as well. So look out for that in the next few days. Um, but for myself, Gully, Jafo, Tom, the 90 Min Network, Pixel Yeti Media, etc., etc., it's good night and on to Spurs away. <laughs>